Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth, everybody say, in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the, somebody say that with me, generation to come, the praises of the Lord and in His strength and in His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our, somebody say fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, even a future generation, who would arise and declare them to their children. What we're reading is a multi-generational command. A multi-generational charge. That they might set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God. But keep His commandments. And might not be as their fathers. Now, Now I looked at this. The fathers were supposed to be telling them all of the good things of God in the first verses before. Sharing unto them the commandments of God to make them known unto their children and their children's children. And, but here we find an interjection. There's a shift in the parable. That they might not be as their fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright. And whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Where I will launch from this morning. The children of Ephraim. Being armed and carrying bows. Turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in the law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. I want to preach to you just for a little while. The children of Ephraim. The children of Ephraim. Lord, I ask you today to anoint anoint your servant today. I am nothing without you. But with your anointing and your power, I believe that, God, you can help us in this day and in this hour. Lord, I need you today. And, God, may the spirit of the living God arise in this house and every enemy be scattered. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. The tribe of Ephraim was the seed of Joseph. You may recall the two sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. When I began to study this and began to look at the various commentators and how they describe this portion of scripture. I was, I was intrigued to learn that Joshua was of the tribe of Ephraim. He was a descendant in this tribe. And 
the account that I just read to you uh, was an account where the ark of God was first placed at Shiloh. It was on this occasion when Hophni and Phinehas were slain, the children of Israel, we are told, fled. It appears to have been this particular duty that the men of Ephraim had. This was their this was their calling. This was their purpose. This is what the children of Ephraim's job was to do. Guard the ark. The, 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 the responsibility of the children of, of Ephraim. Were to simply guard the ark. It may be possible that they were set around the ark as bodyguards. To protect it. But they fled at the approach of the Philistines. Or fell slain together with Hophni and Phinehas. On this terrible and disastrous day. If this is the event alluded to in this passage. Which history and commentary says it is. It's found in 1 Samuel. Uh, and you can read this all on your own time. But 1 Samuel the 4th chapter. Um, it gives us the reference of the whole history of the tribe of Ephraim. That they were well armed. They were very distinct. They were, they were skilled their dexterity in bows and arrows, in the use of the bow. They, they could do it better than anyone. Yet on this occasion, and not only on this occasion, they would turn their backs in the day of battle. Whether any of these explanations are understood by us today or it is just for historical reference, I believe it's worth considering today. What these men did. It was at a moment in a time in the history of Israel. That they needed men to protect the ark of God. But here is what they did. They turned their backs. Somebody say they turned their backs. When the time for fighting came. They ought to have shown their military skills. Their capabilities and what they were gifted and anointed. To, to like bold men they should have kept the face to the foe they should have looked their adversary eyeball to eyeball but what they did was dishonorable above all they turned their backs in the day of battle and fled I'm sorry to say this is not unusual among professing Christians I, I, I'm, I'm sad to say in the hour, in the day that we live in, uh, that many are turning their back uh, in the day of battle. Uh, and most do this at the first appearance to difficulty. If I take the history of the children of Ephraim, I should say that they turned their backs and failed to defend the ark of God. There are those, hear me under the sound of my voice today, there are those when they should be defending truth, shun controversy, shun debate. They are of such of a timid disposition that when the war trumpet sounds, they find it their duty to attend to the baggage in the rear of the fight. Instead of getting on the battlefield and say, I'm here to defend the ark of God, the spirit of God. The revival of God. You see the children of Israel. Most would consider. They would be brave men indeed. And in this particular quarter of the conflict. Where it does not happen to rage. But there. I, I, I want to say this. And say it as politely as I can. 
Those bows and arrows should have been flying that day in defense of the presence of God. But those men who run, they did not know what it was like to taste the victory. They did not know what it was. They didn't understand what it was like if they would have just defended the ark of God. The whole outcome would have been different. I stand here on this Father's Day Sunday morning and send the clarion call to every man every husband every man in this house and tell you that we must find the courage to fight and conquer everything that stands before us and that God has allowed to come to us I've come to tell you we need men in this countercultural world when all manner of ideas all manner of philosophies there better be a guarding of the earth of God the children of Israel the, the children of Ephraim were not no, were no more concerned in protecting the ark of God because the Philistines came and took the ark when they turned their back it's when you turn your back that the enemy comes in and begins to invade and conquer that which is precious Joshua had already gave them an example. You need to conquer what is set before you. You need to drive out the Canaanites that are still left. I'm afraid in this hour that we live in, there are some of you whose sins still live because you've turned your backs on them, but not in the right sense, for you have turned your backs against contending with the sin, with the weight that would so easily beset you. I prayed this morning that I wish in the Holy Ghost that the spirit of a contender would rise in every man in this house today, just because your daddy was a certain person you don't have to be that way just because your mama was a certain way you don't have to be that way but you can rise on this father's day and say I'm going to be the man that God's called me to be I'm going to contend I wish a man would say I'm a contender I'm a contender I'm not a pretender we got too many men pretending to be warriors. We got too many men pretending to be something. But if the spirit of a contender would rise, God, what could happen today? What could happen in our homes? What could happen in our families? Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is not fully extended until we're in a conquest of the cross that consumes us, a conquest of victory. We will not be detoured, we will not be distracted by the naysayers, by those who say it cannot be done. But when the weight of the responsibility to be the warriors of God, the mighty men of God, there will be no turning back in the day of battle. There will be something that rises in you. It says, I will stand and I will defend the ark of God. I begin to look at this. When did they, when did they flee? When did they turn their backs? They turned back in the day of battle. The soldier is truly proved to be a soldier when the war trumpet sounds. Then you're going to know who the real soldiers are. When the war trumpet sounds, then will you know that the true soldier's blood is in that person. How many turn their back when it really comes to the conflict? For then the day of the trial is too much for them. God help us in the day of battle. That we're not looking like this and the battle's like this. But God help every man under the sound of my voice. Uh, to not turn your back when the battle is raging. Every man under the sound of my voice we need each other.
I said, we need our brothers. We need to get in the trenches with, with our brothers. You see, they turned their back at the only time when they were any sort of use. I'm going to help you with that. A man who has to fight is not of any particular use for his country. That I know one commentary that I, commentary said that I know of, except when there is fighting to be done. I said a soldier is not of much use when there's not fighting going on. But when there's fighting going on, when there's contending going on, that's what they were created for. That's what they were made for. But when there's no battle going on, we're of no, y'all come on men. There's a battle going on. That's what you were created for. It's just like a man in any other trade. There is a season when he is wanted. Now if the Christian soldier never fights. Of what good is he at all? If we never fight what good? And when I begin to read how the Lord compares his people to a vine. And then he says of them in words of which I will give. If the vine bears fruit. It is very valuable. But if it bears no fruit, then it is good for nothing at all. An oak without fruit is valuable for its timber. A thorn doesn't have fruit, but are useful, for they can use them to make a hedge. Smaller plants may be used for some medicinal purposes, but the vine, if it bear no fruit, it is absolutely good for nothing. Will a man, will a man, one writer said, make a peg of it, whereon to hang a vessel, saith the prophet. No! It is of no service whatsoever. So is it with the Christian. If he be not thorough and true, he is no good at all. You can make nothing of him, whatever. He is to be used. He is to be used by Christ. As his expressive words would say, neither fit for the land, not even fit for the dunghill. And men cast them out. Who would enlist a soldier that knew he would turn back? Who would, who would enlist somebody when you know they're not going to fight? Who amongst us would like to be in his regiment? Who wants to be linked up with somebody that's double-minded in, in all of his ways? Who would want to get on the battlefield? I don't know if they got my back or not. I don't know if they got my back. When I get in the trenches, when I get in, I want to know who's got my back. I said, I believe I'm preaching to some men in this place today. We've got each other's back. But the devil would love to sow a spirit of discord and disunity to break the bonds of what God is trying to do. We might as well take all up, take off of our colors of battle. We might as well play the rogues march and turn him out of the barracks. If we're not going to make up our mind, I'm going to be a soldier. This is where I belong. Oh, I read, I read something. You find somebody that'll turn, turn their back in battle. Their regimentals will be torn off. They will be excluded from the army. They will be kicked out once they ever turn their back on their brethren. Oh, we cannot be guilty of turning our backs in the day of trial and at the time where we need each other the most. We need each other. Turn to somebody and say, I need you. You see, these men, these children, the children of, of Ephraim, turn their backs like fools in the days when victory was to be won. The soldier wants to distinguish himself. He wants to rise out of the ranks. He wants to be promoted. He hardly expects an opportunity of doing this in a time of peace. But the officer rises when it's time for war. And he leads a successful charge. And so it is with the Christian warrior. But God help us when the spirit rises in the church. I will make no advance while I am not fighting. I cannot win if I am not warring. We want to win, but we don't want to war. We want, we, we, we want a medal and we don't even participate. We want a trophy just for showing up. 
Come on, somebody. You, you know the world we're living in right now. We want a participation trophy. Uh, we want just because we showed up, we're going we're gonna to get on Facebook. How many, how many blue thumbs are we going to get today? How many hearts are we going to get today just because? Hear me, warriors. Hear me, men. Your only opportunity for conquering is when you're fighting. If you're not fighting, you're not, you're not conquering. I'm going to say that again. If you're not fighting, you're not conquering. If I run away when there's a chance of winning the crown, then I am like the ship that does not come out of the harbor when there is a fair wind. Or like the man who does not avail himself of the high tide to get his vessel over the bar out of the harbor's mouth. God help us when it's fighting time to be on the battlefield. God help us when the battle's raging. It's time to conquer it's time to win you can't win without fighting therefore I thank God when trials come I thank God when when the struggles come I count it all joy when I fall into manifold temptation because now I may add to my faith one virtue after another till my character is complete I become the righteousness of Christ, not in my convenience, not in the absence of pain, not in the absence of battle. God help me to speak what the Holy Ghost put in me. To throw away the time of conflict is to throw away your crown. I'm going to say that again. To throw away the time of conflict is to throw away the crown. We want a crown, but we don't want a battle. We want a crown, but we don't want to fight. We want a crown, but we don't want to suffer. But the Bible says, he that will live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Well, I just want to go to heaven. I don't want any struggles. I got the Holy Ghost. I've arrived. I don't need to do nothing else. Wrong! I said wrong. There's going to be devils to fight. There's going to be addictions to fight. There's going to be struggles to endure. But I come against the spirit of the children of Ephraim that turn back in the day of battle. Hear me, hear me, daddy. Don't you walk away right now in your most defining moment. Hear me, hear me, daddy. You better hang on. You better not sell out. You better not compromise. You better not throw in the towel and quit. You better not lean to your own human understanding. You better be close to the fire. That fire of camaraderie in your brethren. Get around the right fire and say, come on, we can do this. Come on, we can make it. Too many of us are sitting around the fires that the world creates. So many, we're, we're, we're listening to the world's theology. We're listening to everything that's countering the Word of God. And we wonder why there's no peace in the home. We wonder why there's no peace in everything that we, man, where, where's peace and where's this? And it seems like a, a repetitive question I say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Be careful what voices you listen to. Hmm. The only way to heaven, the way to heaven is through a battle. Do you think Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, was crucified on a cross? Crimson blood flowed down his body. They pierced his side and blood and water came out to purchase the New Testament church. And we think we're going to skate through life and not have to suffer any persecution we better, get, we better take a reality check. We've been watching too many reality shows and we've been watching too many Hallmark movies and it's painting a picture of this or that and we think it's going to be this way. No, it's not like that. There's tough times. There's tough battles you're going to have to fight. You need to turn off the Kardashians and look at the Word of God and say, I've watched, I've read, I've looked at the back of the book. We can get so enamored with Hollywood. We can get so enamored with the things of this world. We become desensitized into a way of thinking. That if we're not measuring up to this, we're less than a person. Our family's less than... Because they paint the picture. 
of this and they paint the picture of that and they paint this picture and boy they never they have bad breath too they they they, they got to take a bath they got to put their pants or dresses on the same way we do we got too many people turning in the day of battle let me tell you when i begin to study this scripture we better not be like the children of Israel, Ephraim who turned back when there was a crown to be won. There was an ark to protect. There was a presence of the Lord. My God, we better guard this platform. I said, we better guard our worship. We better guard who we give our allegiance to. We better guard who we give our worship to. I'm going to get to that in a few moments. They turned their backs when turning their backs involved the most disastrous defeat. The ark, when they turned their backs, the Philistines come in, Brother Dodd, and took the ark of God. When they turned their backs, the ark of God was taken. SEC, we better never turn our backs because there's a spirit of the Philistines that are ready to come in and rename, our, rename us. You see, when the ark was taken, they named the next born that was born in the midst of this trial. Ichabod. The enemy cried. For the glory had departed Israel. Because the children of Ephraim turned back in the day of battle. Hear me sanctuary. Unless God gives you a preserving grace to stand fast to the end. Do you not see that you are turning back to what? What are you turning back to if you turn your back on this? What are you going back to if you backslide? The Bible says we're turned back to perdition. You don't turn back merely to the world. That's just what it looks like. But you turn back to hell. If after having once put your hand to the plow, you look back, you're unworthy of the kingdom. But what are you unworthy for? Why? Those reserved seats in hell. When you turn your back in the day of battle, you claim a reserved seat in hell. Did you ever think of it that way? There are such, and let me quote the passage. We are told that, <coughs> we are told in one place of darkness reserved for those who were wandering stars. There's a darkness reserved for wandering stars. For whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. When you turn your back. You turn your back to those reserved places. Where the darkness is more black. And the pain is more terrible. Well I think I'm just going to go back to my old life. You'll never be satisfied in your old life. I said, well, I'm just going to leave the church and I'm going to leave what God's done in my life. I'm going to forsake. I'm going to turn back in the day of battle. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you're going to go back and you're going to have to do seven times what you did. And you're still never going to silence the voice of your pastor. You're never going to silence the voice of the messages you've heard. Don't let hell cause you to take a reserved seat in a place of darkness. Yeah, I come on this, on this Father's Day to tell you, don't you turn back in the day of battle. Who were they that turned back? They were the children of Ephraim. They are described as being armed and carrying bows. Bows throwing forth sharp arrows to tackle and conquer and win the battle that was set before him. They were men of nobility. They were men of skill. They were capable of winning the battle. One writer said they were skillful in the use of the bow, yet they turned back. Oh God, I had to tell myself this morning, God, don't let me preach the others and turn my back in the midst of the battle. Don't let us live this far, Brother Sparks, and turn our back in the midst of the battle. Then I had to ask myself, why did they do it? You want me to tell you why somebody turns their back in, in the battle? Why they turn their back? I'm going to give you the word of the Lord. They kept not the covenant of God. They took this for granted. 
They got their own private interpretation of who God was and what God wanted them to do. The Bible says they kept not the covenant of God and refused. They refused to walk in the law. They just refused to do what God told them to do. So it was an easy way out when the battle got hot. When you don't agree with the pastor, the first thing it's easy to do is walk out the door. We forget the works. We forget the wonders that he. You forget all the miracles you've seen. You forget the miracles of fellowship. The miracle of deliverance. And it's easy to walk out the doors. God help us today. Help us today. And then I had to ask myself. What was the result of their turning back? There's always a result to the turning back. Their fathers mourned over them. We're told in this passage that Ephraim, their father, mourned for them many days. What a lamentation for the church. What a lamentation in this church it has been. When we see precious souls walk away from the grace of God that has been extended. Oh. The result, there's a mourning in the camp. But then the Holy Ghost dropped this. He said, what's greater than the mourning is when we turn our back on the enemy. Or when we turn our back on the battle, the enemy still remains. Well, I think I'm going to go out. I'm going to. I'm going to live like the world. The enemy's still going to be the enemy. The enemy's still going to be the enemy. When you got in the church, God saved you. God spared you. His grace rescued you. And I say again, if you go back, what are you going back to? The enemy hadn't changed. It's intensified. That, that old... That old Sly old fox, if I could catch him, I'd put him in the box. I'd lock the door and throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. The enemy is still the enemy. The enemy will always be the enemy. So, you turn your back on God, fathers. I'm trying to preach and help our fathers. Because I know the battle's raging right now. There's going to be mourning in the house. There's going to be mourning by your wife and your children. The enemy is still going to be raging. And still there. But let me, let me throw this in there as a caveat. The ark itself is taken in the process. We must all of us hold fast the truth. If there is a man who has got a truth... Let us draw our bows and shoot our arrows and not turn back in the day of battle. I hear the call, get your arrows, get your arrows. There are more foes that we're fighting now than we fought 20 years ago. The enemies always remain the enemy, but it's intensified. Let's give them double for what they're throwing at us. Let, let's let our reward, what we have been reserving for them, reach them. Spare no arrows against the adversary that is at hand. If we do not come to the front now, the ark of God, as far as, we can, as, far as I'm concerned, will be taken. And this is what the Holy Ghost said. I'm so trying to hurry. Musicians, come. ready for this? I've never seen this in scripture but I did this morning. There'll be mourning in the house. The enemies remained. The ark is taken. Here's what you're going to hear in the streets. You're going to hear the Philistines shouting while the church is weeping. You see when they took the ark of God they begin to celebrate. Because they knew how great the victory was. They had took the most prized possession of the children of Ephraim.
The Philistines are good hands at shouting. They shout rather loudly about nothing. But when they get a little, they bark loudly enough about what they have stolen. If they see one of us turn our back, they rejoice. If they see one of your kids turn their back, they rejoice. They begin to ring bells. And the Bible says they begin to make great mirth over the fall of the very least among us. But if those of us who are armed and carrying bows should turn back in the day of battle. 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 1 through 20. I did not give this to the, to the, media, uh, to the media team, but it came to me this morning. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistine rejoice. Lest the sons of the uncircumcised triumph. In other words. They didn't want the noise to get out that the ark was taken. That the presence. Don't you go tell it in Gath. Publish it not in the streets. Lest the daughters of the Philistine rejoice. Lest the sons of the uncircumcised triumph God grant that we may never make mirth for hell if Satan must have merriment may he find it anywhere rather than in us oh that we may stand fast church and having done all to stand may we stand if we do not stand fast you know what's going to come of it Suppose the churches of which we're members of right now. This church that you're a member of. And I'm speaking to the far reaching masses that will watch this. The churches that you are a part of. If you don't stand what will come of you and what will come of me. What became of Shiloh? What became of Ephraim? Instead of the ark being that in the custody of Ephraim. Hear me in the Holy Ghost today. If we turn back in the day of battle, let me tell you what God did. There was a transfer of custody of the ark. God could not trust the children of Ephraim any longer to guard his presence. To guard his power. And the custody of Ephraim was taken away from Shiloh. And God transferred it into the custody of Judah. It rested upon Mount Zion under the government of King David. Mark my words. Whenever a church becomes unfaithful and turns its back in the day of battle. God takes away from it the keeping of the ark. And will entrust it with somebody else. I don't want us to talk. I don't want us to carelessly guard the presence of God in this place I don't want God to say I'm taking my presence from you and I'm going to give it to somebody else down the road I don't want God to look at this church look at our fathers and say they're not they're not the warriors I thought they would be they're not serious about living for me they're not serious about being on the front line and waging war against hell I will entrust my presence to someone else. I, I close my message. It was February 14, 2018. News outlets went live to a school in Parkland, Florida. Where a gunman had opened fire. At Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. The news spread that. Through the nation like wildfire. The shooter was later identified as Nicholas Cruz. He was a 19 year old who had been expelled from school. And decided to take out his anger that day. 17 students and staff members were killed that day. 17 others were injured. The story brought grief across this entire nation. How could this happen you may say. Why did this happen? But there was a portion of this story that was overlooked by many until 15 months ago. After the incident occurred. It was during the summer of 2019 that a full report was released. 
detailing the precise information related to the shooting. The report pieced together surveillance video, 911 calls, details that could help explain how the shooter was able to shoot so many in such a short amount of time. The investigators couldn't figure out how the shooter had gotten past the on-site officer so quickly. The officer by name was Scott Peterson. Officer Peterson was good at his job. He was well liked by the students. At one time he was recognized as officer of the year. The school should have been in good hands. But as shots were fired and students were screaming, in terror, Officer Peterson went mysteriously missing, nowhere to be found. Yes, he called 911 when the shooting happened, but he did next what is unthinkable. He went into hiding and hid for 45 minutes. While the shooter was reloading his gun, Scott hid. While students were losing their lives, Scott hid. While screams bellowed from the school, the officer was hiding. He was the one man assigned to protect the students of that school. But that day he decided it was too risky to confront the problem. You see, there was a possibility he could get shot. Being in the same room with a shooter, I'm sure, is quite frightening. But Officer Peterson made a decision that day to hide. But in the summer of last year, there was another arrest. This time, it wasn't the shooter. It was Officer Peterson. No, it wasn't because he was involved in the shooting. He was saddened by all the deaths. It wasn't because he helped the shooter in any way, personally. Why was he arrested, you may say? Because he didn't do anything when the enemy was attacking. He sat back and let the shooter have full reign of the school. He let innocent lives be lost. And his conviction was this. Negligence of duty. When he should have been on the front line. When he should have been out there protecting those students. When he should have said, come on boy, I, gotta, I, I, I can defeat you. He was negligent in his obligation. He was negligent in his oath. And he hid. Or as our scripture said. He turned his back. In the day of battle. He had a gun on his hip. He had bullets in his, in his gun. I'm sure he had an extra clip. He probably even had a taser. He was armed with bows and arrows. He was armed with bows and arrows. But he chose to hide. He chose to turn his back. In the day of conflict. As you stand all over this house. Husbands. Fathers. I don't need to remind you today. You know it. There's a real adversary waging war outside of these doors. There are real struggles that you are facing. You are, you are fighting. And you're trying to soothe your conscience. With many other things. But if you would surrender. And take your rightful place where you belong. In the army of the Lord. Start defending your family. Start defending those children that God's blessed you with. 
start praying and being the man of God he is all along destined and called you to become there's a warrior inside of all of us but what will determine the warrior the victor the victim it will be your response in the day of battle in the day of adversity that will determine victory or defeat I would love to open this altar to every man under the sound of my voice if you would God's calling some men to take their rightful place you're taking your place for your family you're taking your place as the priest the place in your home you don't link up with someone that's going to turn their back in the day of battle but you join arm to arm with someone who's going to get in that foxhole with you you link up with somebody that's going to stand with you when the going gets tough it's going to be there in the trenches. I'm struggling today, Brother Chris. I'm struggling in this thing called life. Could we just join? Could we cut? Let's bridge this gap right here. Let's bridge that gap. I'm going to speak in the Holy Ghost. I, I, I bet I've labored over this message all night long. <laughs> Come here, crew. You know, if we turn our backs, it ain't just you that's going to be affected. It's crews that's going to be affected. If we don't guard the presence of God, Cruz is what's going to, he's the one going to have to suffer because daddies didn't do what they were supposed to do. There's a generation of children, and I read it early in my text, and I, there's a generation that's depending on us. That if we don't stand and we don't fight and we don't use the arrows, what's amazing to me, Brother Biller, all they had to do was just do this. They had everything they needed in there on them. They had everything they needed for the victory. You've got every weapon you need, men, in your arsenal. You've got the weapon of prayer. You've got the weapon of the blood. You've got the weapon of the name. You've got the weapons you need to bring about the victories you need in your family and in your life. You just got to begin to use them because there's a devil that's trying to get to him. But he's got to get through you to get to him. Brother Weaver, if he's ever going to get to him, he's got to go through you. God said, you tell your children and their children tell their children. I don't like to say this. I don't even like to utter these words. But could we be one generation from extinction? Because we just refuse to fight. We think this world is a mess. We, we, we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm, I, I'm afraid Sodom and Gomorrah would wink. How, how bad was Sodom and Gomorrah? How bad was it? All it would have taken was a storefront of ten people to save and salvage Sodom. But he couldn't even find ten. I'm sure there were men in the city that knew how to fight. There were men in the city that knew but they got so enamored with the world that they refused to contend. <laughs> Just don't feel like fighting today. I don't feel like coming to church today. I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't feel like living for God today. And this little man's dependent on us. 
when you, feel, when you feel like throwing in the towel and backsliding and taking a reserved seat in hell, you think about your children. You think about those that you've witnessed to. You think about those that you've come in contact with. They're watching and they're depending on you. I know most everyone, ladies, are in this, in the audience. Most of all of our men are up here. Would you just do me a favor, ladies? I don't know why I feel this, but I do. I'm going to ask you to do so. If it's, if it's okay, if you can't, would you come and just stand behind them? Just come out of your seat and just make a, do what they're doing, but just do it behind them. Maybe you're not a father. Maybe you're a young man and you're here and you want to join up with these men. That's okay. Maybe you're a guest and you want to join us up here at this front. Come on. Do I have any young men in this house? Young men, maybe Cruz's age. Maybe there's some young men in this house that you want to join me on this platform. I don't know. Come on, Bear. Come on. Any young ladies want to join me on this platform? Chrissy, uh, Evie. Oh, God. Oh. If we turn our back, this is a small sample of what will be effective when the enemy comes knocking at your door, when the enemy tells you to turn your back and run and not protect the spirit of the living God in your home and in your life. You need to have a visual representation of this day. No, we're not going to all make the right decisions. Yes, we are going to make some mistakes. We are but yet flesh. But you know what? In the heart of every warrior, there's something that rises up even when we feel inadequate. If you just feel around a little bit, those arrows are back there. Those arrows are there. They're just, they're just waiting on you to pull one out and say, you know what, devil? I've carried my arrows of deliverance behind me. Behind me. Behind me. All you need to do is pull them from behind and bring them into your present for a present day victory that's ahead of you, that's facing you right now. The arrows were in a sheath. So when you turn around, the arrows is facing the... But the arrows need to get in the hands of the warriors. The hands of the warriors that can wage war on the enemy. That can do what no other source and power can do. I wish you would lift your hands right now, men. If you would lift your heads and lift your hands. Lift those arms up with that brother or sister. Oh, God. Ladies, would you begin to pray for your husbands? Would you begin to pray for those in this church? This praise team is about to lead us into a special place of worship. Cruz, Bear, Isaac, Heavy. Chrissy, and to those beyond, Asher, oh God.